The Holy Gospel according to Matthew in the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what has been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt and the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet, Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Now, I know I've talked about them before, but I have these three cats who I love very much, and one of them's name is Olive. And Olive is She's like one of the sweetest kitties there ever were. She's very docile and just kind of like, oh, I'm just happy to be here, kind of an attitude, kind of like a golden retriever sometimes. Well, a couple weeks ago, I woke up in the middle of the night and Olive was kind of nestled nestled next to me like she usually is and we were snuggling and I was kind of giving her a little pet and all of a sudden her little body kind of went rigid And she catapulted, pun intended, (laughs) up the side of my face and onto the headboard like a lunatic. And I went to the bathroom and looked in the mirror and she had like scratched the side of my neck and my eye up here as well. It was one of those moments that was violent, very unexpected, and an unwelcome turn of events from a nice snuggle to getting scratched on the side of the face. And that is kind of the way I think about Holy Week. Now, (laughs) because today we celebrate Jesus's triumphal entry, everyone is so excited and they're honoring and praising Jesus. And it's almost as though Jesus is this heroic figure coming into Jerusalem. The people wave the palm branches that signify victory and triumph, peace and eternal life. They shout, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that is a big deal. Hosanna is that word used by the people that cries out for help, and not just help from anybody, but help from God, from the divine. They're crying out to Jesus as the Messiah, the one who is from God and who also is anointed 
to become the king, the king of the people following in the line of King David. And the people are asking for help, help and salvation from their suffering, their abuse, their hunger, and especially their oppression under the Roman Empire. Now, this triumphal entry, it happens to kind of be a protest parade in the face of the Roman Empire. And now I use that phrase protest parade because here's something interesting I learned this week from Pastor Andrew and then did a little research on. It's that during this time period, the Romans would also put on triumphal entries. Now, the Roman government, under whom the Jewish people lived, they could have been putting on their own Roman triumph. And this is a military parade, where generals, or who those were who were important and victorious in battle, they would have been dressed up like kings. They would have gotten crowns and been dressed up in these purple robes, and they would have been paraded through Rome to the temple of Jupiter. And these parades served several purposes. First, it was to remind the Roman people of their power and their privilege, and to put those who were under occupation in their place, people like the Jewish people. And it's possible that a Roman triumph could have been taking place in the city of Jerusalem around the time of Jesus's triumphal entry. And politically, this would have been very tactful. It would have been tactful because Jesus's triumphal entry happens around the time of the Jewish holiday of the Passover. We know this because the Last Supper, which we'll celebrate on Maundy Thursday, is also the Passover meal that Jesus is celebrating. And this was a time when many, many Jewish people would come to the city of Jerusalem. They would be busy, and it would be overflowing, and they would all be coming to the temple. And so it would have really been an ideal time to remind them that the Romans are in charge, and that their uprisings will not be tolerated. And that is including, but not limited to, any uprisings where they think the Messiah, the promised king, was coming to set the people free from their occupation. Jesus will not be tolerated. This is why, as well, it is so mocking that they dress Jesus up in a crown and write King of the Jews over him at the crucifixion. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem is kind of a mirror image of one of these Roman triumphs in many ways. Yet it is a parade of protest because Jesus isn't a military victor. He is a prince of peace. He comes not to conquer, but to lift up. He comes to heal and bring God's love. But as we know, this takes a very quick turn. For it is not long after the palm narrative of glory and triumphal entry that it turns into the passion narrative of pain and violence. We are met with the violence in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Simon Peter cuts off the ear of the Roman soldier. We get it when Jesus is denied by Peter three times and the cock crows. 
We get it when Jesus is betrayed by Judas, someone who he thought was his loyal friend. And we get it as we move to the crowds who yell, crucify him, when only a few days before they were yelling, Hosanna to the son of David. The violence happens in the whipping and the beating of Jesus, the tearing off of his clothes to distribute amongst the soldiers, the crown of thorns, the nails in his palm, the jeering, the sour wine, the slow death, the asphyxiation. Palm Sunday is glorious. It is hopeful. But it doesn't last long. It quickly descends into violence. It quickly descends into despair. And that's something that we are far more familiar with. This week I saw on the news the coverage of the school shootings in Nashville. One political person who I'm really not really sure who it was was saying that guns aren't the problem because there will always be bad people who want to do harm. And I thought, maybe that's true. Yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's right. People will always want to do harm. But then I thought, why is that something that is so easy for me to believe? That bad people will always do bad things. Why is it that that is something as a society we are so very drawn to? And is that really what our faith calls us to be drawn to? That evil will always have the last word? That there is no possible alternative to the violence of this world? One thing we must know to be true is that when we return violence with more violence, it tends to only create more violence. The Roman army, the Roman government, the empire, the emperor Caesar, they created this realm of tyranny and violence. We know this because Jesus' crucifixion and the abuse that happened to him, it wasn't unique. There is a field of crucifixions. And Roman triumph, their military parades, their conquering of other people, that was the norm. And within that society of violence and fear, the Roman leaders, the Jewish leaders, they are the ones who give Jesus over to the Romans because they are afraid. They are afraid that they will be persecuted if Jesus becomes the Messiah, the King, the Anointed One. And I imagine that Judas sells Jesus out because he's afraid too. And we know that Peter denies him because he's afraid of the repercussions and the violence. Because in Rome, there can only be one king, the emperor. And the Jewish leaders, they don't hand him over because they're bad people. Judas and Peter don't betray him because they are bad people. They hand him over because they are scared people. They're scared of the violence and if it's pointed at themselves. Yet Palm Sunday is truly what Jesus stands for. Jesus' peaceful entry into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey is what Jesus stands for. 
but it is far easier for us to believe the violence in the garden, the violence of the cross that kills Jesus. When we become so very lost in the notions that violence is the norm and something to be accepted without question, we stray from Jesus. We can't become so sucked into the culture of the day that we become desensitized to violence and accept it as the way, the truth, the life. And, oh, I know it feels like such a cliche to say that Jesus was peaceful, Jesus was nonviolent, but he was. Nonviolent doesn't mean that Jesus was never angry or upset. It means something bigger than that. It means that when Jesus is betrayed and is taken by the Romans, he doesn't rally the troops to lead an insurrection against the Romans. It means that after he is murdered on the cross and those three days of hopelessness pass, when he is resurrected and meets the disciples in that upper room when they have hid themselves away for fear, Jesus says, peace be among you. Peace be among you. The final words that Jesus offers, they are not the world is violent and so you should be as well. The final words that Jesus offers are that the holes in my hands are real. The violence of this world is real. But as my followers, as Jesus' followers, Jesus says, you have chosen a different path. You have chosen the way of true peace. And for me and for you, those of us who wave our palm branches this day, those of us who proclaim that Jesus is the son of David, the anointed one, the chosen one, we too have chosen that path, that path of peace. So today and all days, let us proclaim Hosanna to the Son of David. Amen.